When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Thanks for checking out this podcast presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, or XL Energy Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota football, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Always smooth, always refreshing. Gold medal winner at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. When you're this good, quality always comes through. PBR Me, ASAP. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Hey there, Vikings fans. Matthew Collar here, co-host of the Purple Podcast. Each week I appear in studio with Mackie and Judd from 9.15 to 10 o'clock for all Vikings talk. If you missed any of our conversations, well, we've got you covered here on the Purple Podcast feed. Here's my latest on the air with Mackie and Judd. All right, Matthew Collar's hanging out with us. We can either keep fighting about quarterbacks or we can talk about relevant things to uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Let's Cam. move on. It's up to you guys. Let's move on. I'll fight you all day on Cam no, Newton. No, 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 no. You can you have don't, him. You don't like Cam Newton. If you were a GM, you wouldn't want him. Yeah. I get that. I don't agree with you, but let's just move you on. You can have him in your little seven-win seasons, and you guys will be good. Let's, uh, in fact... He's, you know, he's added 48 more rushing touchdowns. So when you look okay, at his we quarterback... Gotta, I take him as my running we back, gotta for sure. This. we got to stop this. How about this? Jimmy Garoppolo can be my quarterback, and Cam Newton can be my Cordero Patterson. <laughs> Super offense. Let's go. Let's roll. Start tomorrow. Is there a, is there a shark outside that you can jump? He's got you're Garoppolo at 15, okay? Let's just... <laughs> Let's let him be. Let's not poke him with a stick anymore. Hot Take Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in Hot Take Court. Well, I, you know, I think that this okay, is... Sir. I, okay, I, I, sir, you've, you've had exactly how many Garoppolo's tonight? Oh, way too many. I think this all is, of, uh, of, all, the, of the all the opinions that I've ever heard you have... This would be your hardest to actually back up with facts, I think. Outside of trying to use completion percentage, which is the most bogus stat that okay. exists maybe in sports. Well, batting <laughs> average is right up there. I've, and I, pitcher I, I, wins. We should do this. For, that's our next week's pitcher, order. Pitcher wins and completion percentage, I think, are in a tie. Batting average, I never had a problem with batting average because those hits help you. If a guy hits 300, 
Like that means he's probably pretty good. Okay, there, but but like a five yard, three hundred hitters who are bad. A five yard completion is is a hundred percent negative though. Uh, no, it's not a hundred percent negative. It's just that a five yard completion and a fifty yard completion both count the same in completion percentage. It really doesn't tell you anything about how good you are at running an offense or scoring points. Which last time I checked are the goals. But Phil has gone down the Zolgadian path. He just doesn't like the guy. No, but it's not a personal thing. No, but what I'm saying is if you were a GM... I don't want my quarterback's main strength to be running the football. If you were a GM and you could pursue Cam Newton, you wouldn't based on a multitude of factors, which includes his personality. Yes, but but if you don't include a quarterback's personality... You're if you are you are a bad GM if you don't include a quarterback's personality in your assessment. It might be the most important position in all of sports to include a personality evaluation in. R- wide receivers, whatever. Like Listen, if you want to be a diva, and Odell if, Beckham Jr. Go to go to your yacht in Miami, just catch passes. If Cam Newton was consistently reaching his potential, he's probably one or two on my list. He's not, so he's seven. Okay, but if Cam Newton was, if he delivered on everything that he should deliver on on a consistent basis, he's one or two on my list. And if you just take it beyond the stats with what his capability is to do with an offense, which is where I get into debates about Sam Bradford because the people who really like Sam Bradford, I mean, most people are in the middle on Sam Bradford of like, yeah, you know, there's some good things and bad things. But like, but, but <laughs> how's that novel you've been working on? Uh, but there's uh, some people, there are some people who are like really behind Sam Bradford and really against Sam Bradford. And the reality about him is that there are limitations of an offense that have him in it. And in part because he can't get to a second read. He isn't mobile. He does not move around and keep his eyes downfield like uh, Mr. Rogers did uh, on Sunday against the New York Giants. So there are some limitations, but he also has a great arm and is extremely accurate. When he does throw the ball downfield, he can make some big plays, right? But your capabilities with him, as at least for his entire career so far, have been you're going to be able to move the ball a little bit, high percentage of completions, but you're not going to get a whole lot there. And there isn't big play capability as much as some other quarterbacks like an Andrew Luck or a Cam Newton. With Cam Newton or Andrew Luck, your offense is uh, like sky is the limit with these guys. You could do anything. Cam Newton's completion percentage is so poor because they throw the ball down the field all the time. He buys time for himself in the pocket by just like throwing linebackers aside and launching it down the field. He also... sometimes will make ill-advised throws down the field that get intercepted. So when you have Sam Bradford, you know that you're not going to get picked off very often. You're going to complete a lot of passes to the tight end underneath the zone coverage, but you're not going to have a guy who can move around back there, go to a second and third read, and fire a bullet 40 yards down the field for a big play. You mentioned so Aaron Rodgers. This is I love talking about quarterbacks, even though we were disagreeing on some of this. But Aaron Rodgers, if you watched him in that game against the Giants, one of his most underrated assets, if he wants to buy himself a few more seconds, his ability to bait defensive linemen into going places in the pocket. So you'll see him. He'll stand there, first read, second read, covered. Okay, what to do now? Well, Christian Ponder runs. We've seen it. Uh, Tyrod Taylor flushes. Russell Wilson flushes. And they cut half the field off. Rodgers will dart into the pocket like he's going to run, then go back to where he was standing. He'll dart to the right, then go back. He'll fake dart like he's going to go through a lane, bait a defensive tackle into moving, and then he'll move over and find his target. It's incredible pocket awareness. I I think Brady does the same thing and just a little slower than Aaron Rodgers does. (laughs) But those two guys, 
if you're talking about ranking these quarterbacks, to me are on a completely different level than everyone else. And that even includes the other elite quarterbacks. That even includes Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees and some of the other great ones. They do things, and Rodgers just put on a display. That's a great defense, by the way. The New York Giants have a great defense. Yeah, they, they, they were about on par they with the Minnesota Vikings this year. Yep. They have one of the best secondaries in the league, and he just picked them apart like no problem. Rodgers, Brady, and Wilson, to me, are all essentially point guards. They can buy themselves consistent time. And, and it's the one thing that Bradford has no ability to do. Mm-hmm. And it's partially based on uh, the ability to move with your feet that well. It's also partially based on some type of awareness that guys like Bradford completely lack. So when Bradford's in that pocket, he is in he is set in that pocket until that pocket breaks down, and then that's it. But Rodgers, Brady to a certain degree, and Wilson have the ability, as Phil just said, to sit in the pocket, get out of that pocket, dart around, and reestablish it, and then make a pass. Mm-hmm. And that is that is something that they make look so easy. You take it for granted, but it's a God-given ability that the majority of quarterbacks don't have that. And the way that I look at it, I like to make musical comparisons because I am a musician. So uh, I, the way I look at it is there are session guitar players. Do you know what session guitar players are? Oh, yeah. yeah. In fact, you and I were tweeting back and forth about a session singer named Mary Clayton last night, which people should look up. Okay, yes, exactly. So the session guitar players are like if you hear – uh, just some generic music or whatever when you walk into a building, some sort of version of uh, George Michael's Last Christmas played on guitar. That's played by some person who's hired to read some music and play the guitar and play the right notes. And then, so that's like Sam Bradford. He reads the defense and he plays the right note and he tries to do his best every time and it comes out pretty good. He's a real good session quarterback. And then there's Jimi Hendrix, Aaron Rodgers, who has, <laughs> yeah. who has such a d- yep. different, expansive knowledge and understanding of his instrument and full control of it. He can do anything plays with, with it his at teeth. any time. He can play with his teeth. He lights the thing on fire and still plays Watchtower perfectly. That's what he can do. That's the way I look at it. And with Cam Newton, though, bring it back to him, I think he's in that category. I don't think he's as good as Aaron Rodgers at doing it exactly, but I think your offense, what you can do with Cam Newton, is so much more expansive that he can have full control over it and do things on his own to make special plays. There were good, there were really good throws by Sam Bradford this year. Were there special plays? Very rarely. Yeah, and then, of course, the question is, and I think I know where you stand, the, the 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 upside of Sam Bradford is this fleeting sort of theory and concept, right? It's never been fulfilled. He's never really even gone long stretches where he's playing at the level that you hope he would play at. And it always goes back to, well, yeah, but if he had. Yeah, but if this were that. Yeah, but if. And I'll, let's go back to the last segment. You take Dak Prescott out of Dallas. You put Sam Bradford. Let's let's say that Dallas has the best offensive infrastructure in the league right now. Uh, you know, you could maybe there's a better coach that you could find, but just from offensive line, Zeke Elliott. Uh, you got a tight end. You got a wide receiver. What would Sam Bradford's end of the season statistics, or what would the look of him be if you put him in Dallas? Would it be a lot better, or would he still be sort of Alex Smith? I think his statistics would be very, very solid, but we saw, Matthew, enough of him to come to this conclusion. Even in the best environment, Sam Bradford, I think, can be very, very solid. I don't think there's any circumstance under which you would consider him dynamic. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever going... I 
I think there's a level he can get up to, which would probably at the very best, after his best year, put him in the top 10 of my list towards the bottom of that 10. I don't ever see him as being a dynamic top five guy, and I think his stats could certainly improve if you buy him more time, but he's never going to have that ability to escape the pocket and make plays that some guys have. With the offensive line as bad as it was, there's two directions that get taken. Uh, One of them is that the offensive line is to blame for everything, and the other is that the offensive line receives too much blame, and both of those things are true. That... I've watched every throw that Sam Bradford made on tape with the coaches film where I could see the defense, I could see the protection, all those things. There were plenty of times this year on key third downs where he's got protection. I mean, TJ Clemmings allowed a pass rush about one out of, like, really, like, in Bradford's face, about one out of every ten times, which is a terrible, terrible rate. I mean, that's about as bad as it gets. The, The better tackles, if they allow two in a game, it's a lot out of 60 plays. And, uh, you know, he's allowing five or six in a game. So just it's on that sliding scale as opposed to you or I who would allow every time uh, it was back there. But that means nine out of ten times he was probably getting okay protection. And there were a lot of times where it was get fooled by the defense, go to the first read, panic a little bit, and make a fine, accurate pass underneath to Matt Asiata for seven yards on third and ten. And he was the third worst starting quarterback in the NFL on third down in terms of yards per attempt, which tells me that, yes, the, the, the offensive dynamos, the quarterbacks who can do anything within their offense, the ones who are at the best in their game, they can, on third down, that's when they really make their money, mm-hmm. is just continuing having drives go along. Because the, way too many times it was third and seven, it's totally makeable in today's NFL, and it's there was a play I was watching from Thanksgiving Day where the Lions brought up their middle linebacker, like, I'm going to blitz, I'm going to blitz. And as soon as Bradford took the snap, linebacker just beelines over to Matt Asiata and tackles him short of the first down. And and that wouldn't change if he's playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, maybe Ezekiel Elliott gets an extra yard there, but that's not going to change. Those limitations are still going to be there. Okay, so when we come back here, let's let's project forward here. The second Turner was fired yesterday. Scott Turner, quarterback's coach, was fired. Um, Is there more juice to squeeze out of Sam Bradford, even with all the insight that you're throwing out, and it's great insight? Well, the wheels just keep turnering over there, don't they? Wow. Times like this, I wish you were Pabst Blue Ribbon is always smooth, always refreshing, and the perfect choice at the game or out with friends. And now, add gold to the great PBR tradition, because Pabst Blue Ribbon was awarded the gold medal for American-style lager at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. That makes four gold medals for PBR in the last 11 years. Not bad. It's that gold medal taste that has made Pabst Blue Ribbon a Twin Cities favorite. When you're this good, quality always comes through. Go for the gold. PBR me ASAP. Mackie and Judd, we're hanging out with Matthew Collar. You can find his work on 1500ESPN.com. Vikings coverage all throughout the season and a lot of postseason autopsy recap, position by position, what should they do going forward stuff, and also uh, the Purple Podcast. And I know you guys are starting a wild podcast today. Today, yes. And the name is? Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure. Love it. All right. Are you guys going to have like a Bill and Ted photo shoot? We're going to have something? a very, very goofy photo shoot with hockey toques involved and probably uh, hockey sticks. How about that? Just breezers color? and uh, that's it. Just breezers with suspenders. Breezers. I like that. Breezers. Declan's Forget into that. The, I'm in. Forget the breezers, guys. We're not going to wear breezers. Wow. 
Uh, Breezer's just wear cups. Just wear the cups. <laughs> just the cups I, and the jockstrap. No. The cups and the socks. No one needs to see that. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> um, so we, we were talking about Sam Bradford. We're talking about is there more juice left to squeeze out of this orange? How do you think the Scott Turner firing played out? Like how quarterbacks coach Sam Bradford, even though we can nitpick him, had probably the best year of his career to this point. You know, he was 20 touchdowns, what, like five interceptions, Broke the completion percentage record, and uh, it's a little bit of a flimsy case because he didn't throw. Uh, he didn't. He wasn't good in the red zone. There's all these things, but North Turner gets whether it was let go or awkwardly. There's a, there's a situation that we don't know the full details yet. I think was this the most awkward, uncomfortable situation <laughs> in like coaching history, or or how did this thing play out throughout the year? Uh, well, Scott Turner, it seems like just did the job the same way. I mean, he had a job to do and. Did the best he could, I would imagine, throughout the year. And like you said, Sam Bradford, actually, for the situation he was put into, as as many drawbacks as I always have for Sam Bradford, being thrown into that situation was really tough. And Scott Turner's one of the guys he would have had to have worked with. And especially coming out and beating Green Bay in Week 2 in his debut, uh, even Mike Zimmer had said that he was concerned about the situation he was putting him into with the opening of the stadium and facing Green Bay and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And Bradford was able to handle that and get prepared in a really short period of time. Probably speaks just as much uh, to Scott Turner as it does him. It's just when your dad is the offensive coordinator and resigns and you name somebody else the OC, which they haven't officially done yet, but I'm sure will soon then he's going to want his own guy. And that's the way I would look at this is just, well, Scott Turner did it as a professional throughout the year. And then when the season was over, Pat Trimmer would have said, I've worked with a lot of people throughout my career, and I'm going to bring in my own person. Exactly. And and I think the way to view this conversation is this. The Bridgewater quarterback was, he was the quarterback to the Turners. Norv's the guy that after Bridgewater had the bad pro day, went back down to Florida and said, do it again with a glove on, and he looked great, and Norv said, draft him. So Norv's the one that told Spielman, make that trade and draft him. And I think Norv and Scott were Teddy's allies and biggest guys. I think the mistake in this conversation that's made is, although Norv certainly had a bearing on the offense, especially in those past two games before he quit, the important thing to keep in mind is this. Shermer and uh, and Bradford always had an alliance of sorts, mm-hmm. and so I think the reality is now is now if if last year's offense was short, sort of Pat Shermer light, it's now full on Pat Shermer, which means he's going to get his quarterbacks coach. They're going to have changes on that staff, not based on what the head coach is thinking, probably, but based on the fact that Pat Shermer is now fully in control. So it's just going to amp up the alliance that you already saw between quarterback and coordinator. Yeah, my first thought when I saw Ben Gessling's report that it was going to be Pat Shermer taking the interim tag off, which we kind of assumed, uh, was, well, Sam Bradford is going to be the future. He is going to be a quarterback for the next five years here. I don't know what that means to Teddy Bridgewater, that if he eventually gets traded, if his knee never recovers, and we don't ever see Teddy Bridgewater again, and he's nothing but a fond memory. Uh, but when it's this is not just someone who knew Pat Shermer from the past. I mean, this is I mean, this is Pat Shermer's quarterback. He had a lot to do with Pat Shermer or with uh, Sam Bradford even being here, and then worked with him in order to get him up to speed, and they used Pat Shermer's concepts at first, and then Pat Shermer won out in the power struggle for who was going to be in charge of what they were doing offensively. And this is his person, Sam Bradford. And 
it, of, of course he's going to have his own quarterback coach, but it just even furthers that idea that Bradford will be the guy. And that could be really interesting, too, because if Sam Bradford is Shermer's guy and Mike Zimmer still has some sort of allegiance to Teddy Bridgewater, who he said was like a son. I mean, he was telling stories about helping him untie his shoes or whatever after he got hurt. I mean, those two were super close. Well, there's some situations that could come up here if Teddy Bridgewater gets healthy, uh, especially with a looming contract situation, too, for Sam Bradford. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how they prop this thing up, too, because they have... They have resources. They a lot of people are putting stock in. Well, you know, they don't have a first round pick, so they're screwed. They don't. They have eight picks in the draft, including, I believe, if my math is right, uh, five picks in the first four rounds. Despite not having a first round pick, right? They have they have a second round pick, two thirds and two fourths. Mm-hmm. So five picks in the first four rounds. If they really wanted to, they could trade back up in the first round. But you can find starting players in the second, third, and fourth rounds, and you're going to have five picks in that range. And assuming that you're not going to bring Peterson back, a ton of cap room if you want to sign somebody. Um, it's it's so early to start projecting out to what they might do in the draft and free agency. But do you think, is there one position or one area where you think it's more likely they fix this in the draft or that in free agency at this point? I think the offensive line gets fixed in free agency. Okay, They could trade up to try and get Cam Robinson, who played left tackle for Alabama last night and is the only projected first-round left tackle uh, by Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay and those guys. Everybody else is down in the same. There's a couple other websites that have a few guys up there, but in his top 25, uh, Cam Robinson is the only tackle. So it's possible that they could do that, but it's really hard to come in right away and have that pressure. Matt Khalil handled it in his rookie year and then never really again. But for the most part, you'll see some tackles come in and people will go, I don't know, that guy was drafted real high and he doesn't look very good. And then it takes a couple of years for them to get uh, much better. But if you're looking at next year as another win-now year, I don't know about that solution when there's some other guys that you could throw a ton of money at, like Andrew Whitworth from Cincinnati. Is he like 34 years old? Yeah, he's 35 years old, but was one of the best in the league again last year and has been one of the best in the league his whole career. Two potential free agent left tackles. Riley Riley Reef is another one. Riley Reef was moved from left to right tackle by Detroit and wasn't all that thrilled about it. And his performances at left tackle in previous years had been pretty good. I think both of those guys will be highly sought after, and, and that might be the way that they solve it. But with those I mean, the, with those draft picks and, and the free agent money that they'll have to spend and all those things, because I, I agree with you, the first-round pick, that don't, like, don't forget they will get other players that'll be okay. The draft isn't over because there's no first-round pick. I think what we're going to find out, though, is... The scenario that you laid out, if Sam Bradford had X, Y, and Z, then what would he do? Well, I think next year he'll he'll have two really good wide receivers. They'll probably add another one or bring Cordero Patterson back. So he's going to have a, some good weapons there. They're going to add running backs. They're going to add offensive line. So if those things are fixed and you still get the same performance, where does that leave you? That's why you don't give him a long-term... That's why you don't get married, Judd. Sam, that's why you don't give him a long-term contract extension. Sam Bradford is not dynamic, but if you give him uh, the receivers, a running game to speak of, and uh, time to throw, you can win. Pay him $17 can million, win with Sam Bradford. see what happens. You can win with Sam Bradford. And by, by the way, you've got a second-round pick, two-thirds and two-fourths, fifth, sixth, and a seventh. I wonder if you would try and take a third, a fourth, and a second and get back to the first round. But when you say win, 
What do you mean? Do you mean you can win a division with Sam Bradford? But do you, you mean... can win? You can win the division with Sam Bradford, and once you get in the tournament, as any coach will tell you, <laughs> you've got a chance. But you won the division with Tavares Jackson and Christian Ponder, so like that's not saying much. But what the I'm... goal should be win beyond the division. You can the, the well, Texans sure. win the division but with the thinking, nobody at quarterback the, every year. But the thinking in this league is you can get in the playoffs, and once you get in the playoffs, that's a starting point. And I believe that Bradford. I think Bradford can. If given the proper components around him, I think you can win the division, and I think you can get in the playoffs and win a game. And once you win a game, things can change. But you've got to get the components around him because he can't do it by himself. Not even close. Let's take a phone call here, quick. Justin's been on hold. Justin, you're on Mackie and Judd. What's up, man? Hey, um, you know, uh, I listen. I'm not overly familiar with your voices. Who's who? So I apologize. Who was talking about? Uh, who was disagreeing with the Cam Newton take? Well, that, that, would, Collar, that, that would be these two Matthew guys. Matthew Collar here. and Judd Zolgad, sir. Okay. I, honestly, I think he's the most overrated quarterback to ever come into the league since Michael Vick. I think, and I'll even take that a step further. Now, you you don't think? Would you say Aaron Rodgers is a hybrid quarterback or a quarterback who can use his legs when he needs to? I would say that that's the greatest phone call that we've ever had, and Justin is the smartest caller we've ever had in three years of doing this I'm show, and he's you, 100% right. I'm glad you in fact, I had ended data that phone to call because I didn't like where it might be going uh, I'm when Paul, we're talking about Cam Newton I'm, since Michael Vick. I'm Paul, and I love uh, all Vikings. Um, Cam Newton, last five, so he's been in the league since 2011. This is his sixth year in the NFL, and there are 51 quarterbacks who've thrown at least 600 passes so pretty much everyone who started a full season or more, 51 of them. Cam Newton. We'll get the completion percentage thing out of the way because I know that uh, I, I agree it's a flawed metric. Sam Bradford's not the best quarterback of all time. It's a flawed metric. 43rd in completion percentage out of 51 quarterbacks. He is 13th in yards per attempt, 22nd in average net yards per attempt when you include the most sack yardage of any quarterback over that period. He's bottom half in QBR. 29th in interception percentage and 17th in touchdown percentage, but he's a hell of a running back. You that don't Newton, have him in your top 15. You just, I'm not saying you should have him top five. What I'm saying is he's returner. a top 15. They should try him at kick returner. I'm sure oh, he could break some big plays. I have him at 12. Ahead of Bradford, too. Okay. Uh, yeah, but in the top 15. Right. Yeah. It's fine. Jimmy Garoppolo. But, but you're putting him ahead, not, yeah, not ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo. List. Let's keep arguing and this until 1 o'clock. It's and a see ridiculous it. list. Uh, say, you want to stick with us for another segment here, yeah, Matthew? Sure. Yeah, sure. Okay, let's, uh, more Vikings discussion. You can call in to 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. I believe I overheard Matthew either saying or maybe he was tweeting, you may have seen a Vikings running back in that game last night. Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Oh, man, you are so dramatic. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Just you and They've been a part of this journey. It's been a heck of a ride. And everything that we've done once, we've done again. And so hopefully, hopefully, before they put me out to pasture, we can do this a few more times. Go Tigers! Eight years ago, my goal was to, to put Clemson back on the top. And, and tonight, that's a reality. This is our family. Yes, sir. This is what we have. I want you to be here. You can't help yourself. I want to be the best version of you you can possibly be. That's all I ask. 
That's all I demand. I love you. I'm proud of you. Let's go roll the boat. Hey, I, I should have seen it I, coming. I, could, I couldn't tell the I, difference. Which one was Davos Swinney and which I one was known, PJ Flex? I should have known when I came in here this morning I was going to be subjected to Dabo Sweeney and PJ Flex sound bites played back to back. There's room in my boat if you want to row with me, oh, Judd. Oh, man. I've got to slow you down so back much. Back to the future. Back. i got to slow you down so Your much. back is to the future, not back to the future. Phil, I want you to take a really deep breath and just say, I will enjoy the process. I will enjoy the process of the Gophers becoming elite and winning national championships. Well, back yes. it up. Season tickets. I want you to put your money where your mouth is. I've got one. I'm not ready to commit to season tickets. Don bought but I am rolling Don bought one. Season tickets. We've got them. Post I don't PJ know why. Fleck or before PJ Fleck? Before PJ Fleck. She was on the clay, but she'll, she'll re-up. We'll have season tickets next year, okay. or at least one. As long as P.J. Fleck can convince a really, really, really good quarterback to come here, I think that they yeah, can be an elite you know program. Don't, don't get ahead of yourself. As, as long as P.J. Fleck can convince a non-bottom five Division <laughs> One quarterback to come here, the Gophers are going to be fine. In fact, that is one case where the borders are wide open. We're not closing them. We don't want anyone. There's a very good chance we don't want the quarterback to be from inside yeah, this if state. There, if there's another, <laughs> if there's another German YouTube sensation that we can bring and he can play quarterback, uh, Matthew Collar, fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. Check out his Vikings coverage. Uh, listen to him and Judd and Ben Gessling on the Purple Podcast, iTunes Podcast One, fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. Did you see any potential Vikings playing last night? Uh, well, I mentioned Cam Robinson is going to be the top tackle in the draft, and they have the. Uh, what would you call it? the assets to move up into the first round if he were available? So that's one guy. But the running back for Clemson, who didn't have a great night for yards per carry or anything last night, but is a really good player, is Wayne Gallman. Uh, he averaged over five yards a carry for the three years that he's been there. He had 17 touchdowns this year. He was actually really good at pass protection last night. I, that, w- that imagine, was my key. Imagine I asked you that. I said, can he protect the quarterback? And he did. And I was watching for it. And imagine, though, a Vikings running back protecting the quarterback in pass protection. How does that work? It's Yeah, it's very... Bradford drops back to pass and somebody somebody actually gets between Bradford and the defender who's trying to squish him like a bug? Very confusing. Uh, But he's six foot, 210 pounds, and a guy playing on a national championship team who's had a lot of success. And I've liked what I've seen from him. I am not a draft scout person, but he... I belongs in the conversation of where he might go. And you stayed at the Holiday Inn Express last night, so you're covered <laughs> on this. Where where he might go in the draft is around the second round, and I, I think a lot of people have the Vikings pegged as, well, they've just got to take a tackle there. But when you actually look at the names, like it's a nice idea, but I don't know which one they're supposed to take there. I mean, the, the couple of tackles that have second to third round grades on them, when you go down the details of uh, what they bring to the table, you see, like, needs a lot of work in pass protection, pure athlete, but not yet has the technique. Like, great, we need more of those on the offensive line, right? Like, TJ Clemmings is an athletic freak, but can't block anyone. So that's not a position that you can usually draft and plug right in in the second round, whereas running back, you absolutely can. Yeah, on the running back front, if you look around just the remaining playoff teams in the NFL right now, most of them. Now, you could argue the Patriots do have a bell cow running back now. They've gone back to what they were doing kind of 10 years ago. The Garrett Blunt got the ball 300 times, barely caught any passes, ground and pound, and then there was Tom Brady, of course. Uh, A lot of those carries, too, came in the first month when Tom Brady was uh, not an option. But most of the teams left in the playoffs don't have the bell cow, one-dimensional, going to pound it down your throat and uh, make you feel pain 
Le'Veon Bell is one of the most versatile running backs mm-hmm. in the recent history of the NFL, probably just in the history of the NFL. The Falcons have this amazing two-headed monster that combined for like 90 catches this year in Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman. The Packers have a wide receiver starting <laughs> at running back, and I could name a couple other teams that, that aren't going with the Adrian Peterson style of this guy is just going to take up a large chunk of your offensive pie. Whether you use versatility, yeah. Whether you use two guys or where you use one guy or three guys like the Oakland Raiders did, you need to have exactly what you said. You need to have guys that can do more now. With Ezekiel Elliott, he's the best example. He's he is a product of his offensive line in terms of his statistics. I th- now in that case, you put Jarek McKinnon back there, and he will average four and a half yards a carry. But Ezekiel Elliott, as a guy who can break one at any time, is also an extremely intelligent running back in terms of following his blocks and out of the backfield is scary. Is somebody that you always have to account for. Yes. And with Adrian Peterson, that was a thing that nobody ever really had to worry about past when Favre was there. I mean, there was like one year where he caught some passes. With Favre, and he averaged like eight yards a catch, and you had to worry about that a little bit. But over the last like four seasons that he's played, mm-hmm. he hasn't been any type of threat out of the backfield, and that would be a big change. And the guy from Clemson doesn't have a ton of catches. I don't know if it's not exactly like a Le'Veon Bell. I mean, he's more of a like taller guy who's like an. But Bell's improved a lot himself. But I think he has that capability. As long as you don't feel obligated to have one guy who's one dimensional on the field getting the ball all the time when he's on the field. Like, you don't want to feel that obligation, which you would with Adrian Peterson. Is this fair to say? Because I think this is where the Vikings are at right now. It's not fair to saddle Pat Shermer with the baggage of. Peterson. A hundred percent. I think it's that simple. I don't think you can sit him down and say, we want you to run your offense. We want you uh, to make Bradford the focal point. But by the way, we are going to bring back a guy who we have given into and done what he has desired now for years and years. And at one time it was worth it. But I think the bottom line is if you're going to give Pat Shermer this job, you can't then bring Peterson back and say, but by the way, 28 has to get X amount of carries. When, They take the interim tag off. I think Sam Bradford's probably your quarterback, and I think Adrian Peterson is not your running back. And I I do think it would be uh, tying his hands behind his back, Pat Shermer's, to leave him with Adrian Peterson and feel like he's got to be a big part of the offense. I thought when they brought him back for the Colts game that it might be a decoy, and I was thinking, here comes a play action, baby, right off the beginning. They got a couple of tight ends in. It's going to be a deep bump. No, just hand off to him in a one-yard gain. And then a swing pass. And then a swing pass right to him, (laughs) and that's another one-yard gain. And, and, And right there, that made me think, Pat Shermer did that because he's Adrian Peterson. And that's the only reason he did that. He would not be running Matt Asiata and then throwing a swing pass to him on the first two plays of this game against a putrid Indianapolis Colts defense if it was Matt Asiata or Jarek McKinnon back there. And you you can't do that to him, especially since I would like to see Shermer go into this offseason because he he just kind of had to take what they had. Right, He could only work with the ingredients that they had. He couldn't go to the store. Well, in the offseason, he can go to the store, and he can look around the league. That's my article at 1500ESPN.com today, is I looked around the league, just watched some video on other teams, and looked at a few things that they do. Like Cincinnati has these really crazy formations where they have the two tackles line up at wide receiver spots, and they just pull it out every once in a while, and they hit a 71-yard pass by doing it. Uh, using uh, Tyreek Hill, the way that they use Tyreek Hill, sometimes out of the backfield. Uh, if they bring Cordero Patterson back, 
like find ways to use Cordero Patterson that are more creative than just screen passes. Take that to the next level of creativity. The Raiders lined up six offensive linemen sometimes, and not just at the goal line, but they would just do it whenever to break off some big run plays and run to the outsides instead of just jamming it up the middle. There's a lot of things that other offensive coordinators are doing around the league that Pat Shermer could bring into this, and I think Peterson limits that. Yeah, We, we have like a minute left, but it's worth bringing up again. We, we I saw your nugget on Twitter from over the weekend. The ultimate Adrian Peterson myth is that even if he's not the same guy, his presence you have to account for, thus extra guy in the box, thus opens up play action. Well, he only played in like two and a half games and was not effective. And the Vikings ranked what? According to Pro Football Outsiders, they were uh, like th- uh, third best play action team in the league or something? Yeah. I don't have to sat right in front with, of them. With Asiata and McKinnon in yes, the backfield. They were, in terms of like yards per attempt with play action, they were one of the best in the NFL with yeah. Asiata and McKinnon because the execution is really good from Sam Bradford. Right. And there are many things that he does well, and I think that's one of them. And another thing I brought up in, in my article is this sounds weird, but move Sam Bradford out of the pocket. Find ways to get him on they the move eventually running. a little bit more. They, they did toward the end of the season. Get those sleeves He's, blowing in the wind, he baby. He is incredible at throwing the ball on the move, and that involves like play action. But it's designed. Like yeah. In, in that designed, case, it's yes. not spontaneous. Yes, not the Aaron Rodgers yeah, or that's Cam Newton. He might combust if it was too Cam spontaneous. Newton? Cam Newton's a great quarterback, by the way. You know, I've got some more reasons why he's not one of the top 15 okay, quarterbacks. Let's move on. If you want. Okay, Declan, uh, what's next to stop? Find Matthew Collar on 1500ESPN.com and the Purple Podcast uh, on Twitter at Matthew Collar. All right, go trudge around in the snow again. Buff, <laughs> no, he's guy. sticking around. Hockey podcast uh, yes. today. The yes. day you. What's the name again? It is uh, Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure. It'll be on 1500ESPN.com later today. Awesome. We'll get I that like on it. iTunes sometime soon. Declan, what do you have for us next in stuff we should know about? Stay tuned for 60-second AP News headlines.